Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where company founders, entrepreneurs, and cutting-edge thinkers drop in from around the globe to share startup stories, insider insights, and hard-earned success lessons. Now, here's your host, a woman who mastered business by placing heels on the ground all over the world, having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, and who wants you to build your best business future, Allison K. Summers. Well, hey, everybody. I hope you're having an absolutely delightful day. We are going to take a trip over to Berlin today for this wonderful business story, we are going to speak with Jenny Sapt, who's the CEO and co-founder of a company called April. And she likes to describe it as addressing the most crucial need of the generation that is coming up today and that is coming up next. And it's really an interesting story. So I hope you'll stay tuned and listen to the whole thing. But Jenny, I'm going to let you tell the audience in your own words what it is that April delivers to the world. Yeah, first of all, thanks so much for having me, Alison. Um, yeah, April is a fertility and family forming benefits platform. So we pretty much enable companies to support their employees with everything from egg freezing, sperm freezing, IVF, adoption, surrogacy, so whatever is needed to support someone on their path to parenthood. Uh, no matter, you know, if you're a woman, a man, if you're in a relationship or you're single, so kind of really making sure that uh, there's the same type of access for everyone. And here's the trick that I, I think is unique that I want to really highlight for the listeners if they missed it, is you partner with companies to help make this a benefit for their workforce. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a concept, right? It's, it's fairly new. It's actually more common in the U.S. Uh, as you might know, like in the U.S., almost 50% of the bigger companies have some sort of fertility benefit in place, but also because like the the social contract in the U.S., of course, is, is set up differently and companies always have to support, uh, whereas in, in, in Europe, that's not the case. And so I think in Europe, it's a very new type that the employer is suddenly supposed to pay for such a personal thing. Um, but at the same time, uh, it's a super important topic. And it's also the, the ability for the company to say like, hey, I don't agree with the status quo and I want to change something here. And, and Jenny, here's what I think is super impressive and and why you definitely are working on a business that is hitting a a huge market need is is that you're only a couple of years old but you're already operating in over 30 countries in in Europe and i i think that's so impressive but before we talk about scaling and operations i really want to hear about the motivation for founding april because i understand that it's quite a personal story for you and personal journey um, which really always makes the mission have a lot more heart to it. So can you give us a little bit of a background on getting April started? Yeah, sure. Um, so we pretty much started April based on my own egg freezing uh, journey. Um, you know, I worked in a lot of tech companies uh, over the last few years. And also I was spent time in San Francisco for three years. Um, and so the years went by and suddenly it was 2019. I turned 32, no partner. Also didn't see myself with kids anytime soon. And for me, it was a very rational decision to say like, you know, I, I'm going to freeze my eggs and keep my options open for later. Uh, and then super naively went to my gynecologist uh, in Berlin and, uh, you know, told her like, look, I want to do this today. Let's start. I'm ready. And of course, she looked at me and was like, 
you know you have to find a fertility clinic to do this. Um, of course, I didn't know. I didn't know. I have had no clue on how it works, what it costs, where to, where to go. Um, and that's kind of how my, you know, my own struggle started. And I did a lot of research and became very frustrated very quickly. Um, also with doctors, you know, doctors never learn to have a proper sales conversation with you. Um, I ended up paying like a few thousand euros, which is a lot of money. And you have a certain expectation towards a service level that was just not there. Um, and yeah, and so I started complaining uh, mostly to my friends. And uh, uh, luckily, I have a lot of founder friends uh, in Berlin as well. And at some point, they said, Jenny, stop complaining, do something about it. Uh, and that's how the idea was born. Well, so always like to ask my guests if the original concept if you if you bootstrapped or if you sought investors and advisors right out of the gate that's a super good question because i mean initially we started more as a b2c company initially because we wanted to understand like what the real pain points are of patients and clinics and so on and of course we thought we can bootstrap this like again very naive uh in a way and we started and then a month in we realized okay bootstrapping is probably it's going to cost us a lot of money um and so very early on we realized we probably need investors and we started like talking to people initially angel investors a lot um but then i guess we were also quite lucky and we got uh, introduced to um uh yeah very pre-seed uh investment fund here in berlin uh atlantic labs um and yeah the founder was i think he was quite off hooked of the idea and i think the market and we were one of the earlier ones in in europe to kind of tackle this and so he jumped on this uh, opportunity and kind of offered us a deal yeah i think yours is a certainly a business that is an example of of when it makes sense to bring in investors and outside advisors early because it, there is an importance to scale quickly and own that own that market and be the the product of choice in the in the marketplace. And I did find it interesting. I always tell my guests, if you're near a computer, go take a look at the guest's website. So go look up April and it's A-P-R-Y-L. Um, because interesting to me, you actually proudly show your advisor and investor partners on your website. And I think um, my guess is, is that you're doing it to uh, legit legitimize and show their, how much power is behind your brand. Is is that correct? Was that a very conscious decision to do that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, it's like very often people would put us in this like, you know, you're a femtech kind of niche product. Um, it's kind of like, you know, it's a female thing, but it's not, you know, it's like super important. And yes, mm -hmm. investors are also realizing the opportunity behind this. And of course, we also put names on uh, on our, their names on our website because we're really proud to have them on board. It's people from a lot of different industries, uh, from a lot of different backgrounds. And we're also very proud that we have a, a lot of women in that, that invested in our in our solution. Um, and I think it's a super diverse kind of sign um, and it, it, it's part of our our mission and our values. And I think that's kind of why it made sense for us to also put them on, on our website. I appreciate what you're saying. You know, we, we all know the statistics and can look them up of, of what it takes for women-led companies to get the, the seed money to, to do the raise. Um, and then there's another tier called Femtech, right? That is even harder to make the raise. So I, I appreciate you sharing a little bit on that piece. Let's jump over to scaling the company and, and, and growth. Um, you talked about the evolution of how you thought you were going to be a company that was a B2C to start with. 
And then you, you made a shift. What made you be like, Hey, we need to go to employers. We need to go to companies to make this happen for individuals. Yeah. Also here, it's funny because I think we were pretty clear that our initial business model is not going to be our final business model. Mm. We wanted to learn in the beginning um, and reveal that what we, the learnings that we got from um, that B2C time is that, you know, like our mission never really changed. We said like we're getting older and older and we're having kids later and later in life, but our biology is not moving in the same direction. And if the development continues like that, the, in the, we believe that the, in the, the long term, the majority of the population will need support with reproductive treatments. And we said, if we know this, why don't we make it more accessible for people to use these treatments? And what we learned in the B2C time is that the biggest barriers for people to start is like three things. It's the lack of information. It's the stigma around it. But the biggest one is cost. A lot of these treatments are self-paid treatments and they are very expensive. And even if the public healthcare funds or the insurances are covering or partially covering, it's usually under very discriminating conditions. Uh, in the UK, you have to live in a certain zip code um, if you want the NHS to cover your, some treatments. Really? In, in Germany, like the insurances are covering 50% for up to three IVF cycles, but only if you're married in a heterosexual relationship and under 40 as a woman. And so it's like not very inclusive um, and, and it's it's not the way it should be, um, but that's kind of the way it is right now. And so we said, you know, like in order to take out the cost, if, if you want to take the cost out of the equation, there are like two things you can do. You can either try to make it cheaper or you let someone else pay for it. And of course, then uh, we looked into both options. Um, but of course, then we, we saw that in the US, this topic of fertility benefits is always already picking up big time, especially, you know, driven by the big US tech companies, like these super like uh, companies that have these like highly skilled workers. Um, and and um, we see now that this wave of, you know, slowly moving over to Europe and that these companies try to create benefits parity across their workforce globally. Um, and for us, there was a huge opportunity to fill this gap. And so we, we jumped on it. I, I think what you're saying is, is so true. I happen to have a daughter who's 30 and she has no desire for children at this point as she's career building and as she's um, at a different stage of of life, right? The generations, particularly in the in the U.S., and this is different than than Europe, but the economy hasn't been very kind to the younger generations over the last the last decade, and and so it's sad because she has actually even said she works for a smaller company, and, and she just says, I I don't think I can have children for multiple reasons, and it's one because the health insurance in the U.S. isn't that strong for it, and two, it it certainly won't cover the benefits like what April's trying to build. And so while I, I'm not as familiar in everything in the European market, I think the similarities are very similar in, in, in many places. And a company like April is is absolutely very much needed. Let, let's talk about your growth strategy and your, your teams. Um, how many people do you currently have uh, working on behalf of April? Where are they located? Give us just a sense of of the team and the culture that you've been building. Yeah, so we we are based, we're headquartered in Berlin. Um, most of the team members are here. We're like 15-ish people, more or less, a few freelancers here and there. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much where where we are. We're all in one office. Um, we just moved to a new, bigger office because we really love to be together because we also know we can solve problems faster when we're all together. Um, 
and yeah, it's a it's a it's a wild mix also uh, on our end in terms of uh, languages, cultures, um, kind of departments. Um, I think the biggest teams are like the you know the product team um, that is building the platform, um, the uh, member experience team, the people that you know do the consultations and really help make sure they have the, we have the right clinic relationships, and then of course more like the the sales part. You know we're talking to we're selling to companies, employers, so someone needs to you know handle this, and then of course the operations team that's kind of doing everything behind the scenes. I'm always curious about people's first, you know, paying customers, paying clients, any, any tips or tricks or just insights into acquiring that, that first company that signed and got on board? Yeah. Um, you know, I wish I could, I mean, I don't think there's this like uh, silver bullet that solves it all. I think for us, it was a lot of outreach, building the right relationship and kind of also understanding what is our target customer, what it does it ideally look like. And for us, we were like, it's probably the US tech companies that already have it in the US and now want to roll it out in Europe. And so we targeted them like really a lot and we did like events where we invite them you know it was the pandemic like they're all no one was kind of talking to each other so we created like a little bit of a community so that all these benefits managers and HR managers could kind of connect with each other and say like what's going on and through that we actually met most of our uh, customers today um, and again I, I'm, I'm not allowed to say names but like one of our first customers was uh, one of the uh, biggest uh, yeah US tech companies out there um, and and so today we're 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 live in in several countries uh, in Europe with them and I think this was a super interesting win for us as well right if we were like a very small company and then suddenly we had these like huge requirements from this big tech company we had to build a lot of things um, it was quite uh, an experience but I think it made us a lot stronger now because like now we built everything that that is required to really pitch for these bigger ones. I do think there's magic in what you what you say. I'm a huge fan of community building, of of creating an interesting kind of value proposition um, that is either directly aligned with your brand or adjacent to your brand. Um, I see so many people use it in such a lovely way, and I see so many businesses not use that strategy at all. So I I think that really is a a wonderful piece of magic to share with our, our listeners. I want to talk about um, your co-founder because you have a co-founder in this. And I always like to ask, what are the lanes that you each take um, and how do you make that relationship be successful? Yeah. I mean, great that you mentioned it, of course, like I, I, couldn't do this alone. I'm super happy that I have a co-founder and that we share the responsibility. I don't know how people do it when they when they start their company alone. I have no idea how that works. <laughs> um, but Toby and I, we met in San Francisco and we kind of became friends. And, uh, you know, when I told him about like this, you know, idea, he was like immediately hooked. It, because initially I was looking for a female co-founder and uh, had a few, you know, discussions. And when I talked to Toby and told him like, hey, this is what I want to do at some point, he said like, Jenny, does it have to be a female co-founder or can you also see me at your side? Um, and so that's how it started. And while we both have more of a business background, in the beginning it was like, mm, this is a good fit. It's actually a perfect fit because 
um, the way we split the work is that I do everything that's kind of more externally facing, right? It's usually my face because it's my story when I do sales, marketing, the investor relations part, while Toby is focusing more on product, operations, legal, finance, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also the way we kind of, I think our brains work. It's like, I'm very much like ideas new, let's do this and this. And Toby is more like the nitty gritty person. You know, it's like making sure everything is 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 correctly done. And I think in that sense, we, uh, yeah, we work perfectly together. What is the vision for the next two to three years? If we were to come back and talk to you, what do you hope you've achieved? Yeah, we usually say that, you know, fertility is just our entry point into the market. We we identified a gap um, and no one was kind of filling it and we are there now. But like the idea is like once we're in these companies, there are so many other topics that need support as well, especially on this like inclusive benefits uh, layer um, and we usually say we want to become like the inclusive benefits provider of choice um, because like maybe we'll help you on your fertility journey great but and then suddenly you're pregnant do we want to add a pregnancy module uh, and then your parent do we want to add a parental model and menopause is a huge thing I think there's so many things where employers can actually make a statement and say like I don't agree with the with the status quo and and the state with, with the system um, and I want to change that and so we want to we want to be the partner for that so what I heard is the inclusive benefit partner of choice. And, and you know, I have to go back, Jenny, it, earlier in the interview, you talked about, I don't want to use the word word pivot, but I think it was great advice for anybody listening that you were in love with the mission and it wasn't so much about being set in your stone about the how to go about it and get to market. It was about the mission. And I think that is what will pull the company very far into the, into the future. And these other pieces that you mentioned, um, I think are critical. And what we didn't say in this interview, which we just know is globally, there's a, there's a war on talent. And I think anything that a company can do to show its heart in a way that is different. Um, but I'm also going to say that is on the side of social good is always a win for everybody. Um, Jenny, I always ask, what is it that you might be listening to today or what groups are you connecting into or what are you reading uh, to help you as a business leader uh, stay motivated and keep your skills sharp? Mm, I... Wish I had a lot of time to read. Uh, lately, I'm not doing this often enough. I think what I'm doing when I'm traveling, I'm usually flying a lot between Berlin and, and London at the moment. I usually listen to podcasts as well. Um, and um, I have a few, yeah. I mean, one of my favorite uh, podcasts that I'm listening to is like uh, the Kara Swisher. I think she uh, has a few podcasts out there always talking about like technology and and kind of what's going on in the world also from a political standpoint, ethical standpoint. And I really love, uh, it's it's super inspiring for me because it kind of takes me out of like my day-to-day struggles. Well, thank you for sharing that because I, I always learn from others and I know our listeners do too. Hey, Jenny, if people want to learn more connect with you, where should they go and what should they do? I mean, they can just reach out to us, uh, out to us. It's like uh, April with a Y dot CO. Um, they can send us an email anytime on LinkedIn. It can message us on, on LinkedIn, whatever. Like we would love to kind of get in touch with companies. Um, if you're interested in that topic, f- please let us know. Um, 
Well, thank you so much for being a guest today and, and sharing your story of April. I am sure fast forward a couple of years and it is going to be a household brand name. Everybody will know what it is. So I wish you absolutely the best in your business growth. Thank you so much. Thank you. To our listeners, if Jenny said something that you think somebody needs to hear, please pass along a copy of this episode. As always, we do appreciate when you like, share, and review. And hey, if you haven't picked up my book, Building Your Brand, Make Business Happen in a Global Economy, head over to Amazon and get your copy today. Until we speak again, keep your eye on the future and always be disruptive. Jenny, thank you again so much. Thank you. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.